came on an unforgettable Sunday to hear an unforgettable word from the Lord. Our guest speaker today, pastors in Louisville, Kentucky, Evangel World Prayer Center, has 37 Sunday services. Some of them are simultaneous. So he's an amazing man of God, church planter. They have TV station, radio stations. He's a pilot, a husband, a father, a man of God, an author, and the person Pastor Shake calls his spiritual father. Can we show our appreciation for Dr. Bob Rogers? Thank you so much for persevering to come and minister to us today. Praise the Lord. It's a, it's a real privilege to be with you. Uh, the weather was kind of bad flying in, so I had to fly to Shreveport and then drive in. But uh, I, I wanted to be here, and I really felt like God wanted me to be here. Uh, Shake and I have been uh, friends for a long time, and the only person I like better than Shake's is wife, Karen. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, we love him very much. Uh, I remember years ago I've, I was with Shake, and I said, Shake, I want to buy you a suit. And uh, we went over to get a suit, and he said, you know, all my life, uh, my dad, I never really got to know my dad, and I always thought about going and uh, buying a suit with my dad. And so he adopted me as his father, and I adopted him as my son. Hallelujah. So let's give a great big hand for Shake, and we love you very much, Shake. I also want to introduce uh, another one of my spiritual sons. This is Kedrick, Kedrick Timbo. He's from Zambia originally. Uh, His great-great-great-grandfather was Shaka Zulu, uh, head of the Zulu nation. And uh, God's uh, got his hand on him. He's a great minister, and uh, we're glad to have uh, him with us also. I I want to mention just uh, very briefly, there are a number of books out in the foyer. I have something I want to give to everyone. It's a magazine that uh, we publish. This is our 21-day fasting edition. And uh, this is a, a great magazine on fasting and prayer. And you can just pick one up <clears throat> back in the, as, as you leave. Uh, here's a book I, I've written. on. Uh, here's one on how Colonel Sanders found his wealth. Our church uh, was really struggling, and we prayed that God would save a millionaire. He would come to our church and pay his tithe. And two weeks later, down the aisle walked a little white-headed man with a white suit. It was Colonel Harlan Sanders. Sat on the front row, and when the altar call was given, the old colonel was the first one at the altar. My dad was uh, pastoring in those days, and he said, uh, he said to my dad, he said, colonel, uh, he said, Pastor Rogers, do you think God would save me to the place he would take out my cusser? Because the colonel couldn't even talk without cussing. Uh, you know, one time he left the church and he said, that was the blankety-blank best sermon I ever heard in my life. But um, that night the old colonel really got saved. And then in a, a few days he called my dad and he said, I've got a gift for you. And uh, my dad came over and he wrote out a check. And that check paid off our church. I think we ought to give the Lord a great big praise clap. Hallelujah. But uh, it's, his testimony's in there. Here's a book that uh, God gave me when I was on a fast. Ten prayers, uh, a financial breakthrough miracle prayers. And uh, I don't know about you, but I've got myself in situations at times I had to have a financial breakthrough. And the Lord spoke to me. The Lord spoke to me. I'd gone through a real difficult time financially. And uh, I couldn't, I couldn't borrow enough money to buy a toaster. I mean, I was in—I didn't know what I, to do. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, "I want you to write down your three greatest needs and put them in your shoe. And I want you to pray for them all this month." And so I wrote them down. And I put them in my shoe. I didn't even tell my wife. If I'd go jogging, I'd take that out and I'd put it in my tennis shoes and and. Uh, and at the end of that month, God had answered every one of those needs. One of those is I needed $75,000 immediately. At the end of that month, a man loaned me $75,000. And to be honest, if he walked in this room right now, I wouldn't even recognize him. But God gave us a real miracle. And then God 
showed me these ten prayers. Uh, the first prayer in here is to release the angel of prosperity. Now, I didn't read that in a book. That angel appeared to me. He appeared to me at 3.33 in the morning. He stood at the uh, foot of my bed. I got out of bed. I went in the other room, and he began to show himself throughout the Bible. He showed me he, his appearance in uh, Genesis uh, 31.11, where it says an angel appeared unto Joseph, uh, to, uh, to Jacob in a dream and showed him how to prosper. He showed me working with uh, Joseph. He showed me how he worked with the children of Israel. But uh, these are these ten prayers. Here's a book, Standing in the Gap. It's on intercessory prayer. Here's a book, uh, uh, Forbid Not to Speak in Other Tongues. And uh, this book was sent to every major theological seminary in America, Notre Dame, Southern Theological Seminary. Here's a book that I've written, uh, four, the four, uh, four Blood Moon Predictions. And uh, I wrote a, another book on the Four Blood Moons, and uh, John Hagee's book was the number one bestseller, and mine was the second bestseller. Now, the difference is this. Uh, John Hagee's book, it takes you a couple of days to read it. My book, you can go in the restroom. When you come out, you can uh, have read my book. <clears throat> but... Um, these are predictions that God gave me and showed me what was going to happen. Now, this month right here, we are in, we are in the halfway point of these uh, four blood moons. And I, uh, most of these predictions, many of these predictions have already come to pass. One of those is uh, God showed me there's going to be a great revival in the Catholic Church. And what you're seeing right now is just uh, the beginning. And it's laying the foundation of a great Holy Ghost move of God. The next thing that's going to happen in the Catholic Church is they're going to ordain homosexual priests. And it's going to split the church. It's already uh, in a, a place of uh, splitting. But uh, here's a book uh, that God gave me. Uh, it's a hundredfold blessing. And uh, be a great blessing. Here's another book entitled uh, The 21-Day Fast. And... Uh, in this, I share with you how to fast for 21 days. Uh, uh, I share about a man in our church. His name was Bill. Bill was a mechanic for UPS, worked on those big jets. And he lost his dentures. He had about three dentures there tied together. He couldn't find them. So finally went to the dentist. He, he had new dentures made. And a year later, he goes on this 21-day fast. At the day after the 21-day fast, he began to cough, and he coughed up those dentures. He went to the doctor, and the doctor said, well, you swallowed those, and they've been lodged in your lungs. And if you had not coughed them up, we would have had to do surgery. And uh, he said, here, Pastor, here, here are those dentures. I said, I don't want them. Uh, but, uh, but it's a great book on fasting. I have a uh, pre-fasting diet in this uh, book that we got from one of the major uh, heart hospitals and uh, so people could lose weight and it purifies the body. A lot of times people get headaches and they have, uh, they, they say, I can't fast, I get so many headaches. Well, that's a sign it's working. Uh, the pollutants and the poisons are coming out of your body. It takes about three days. Well, this uh, pre-fasting diet cleanses your body. And uh, you have to be very careful because it speeds up your metabolism. And uh, you can lose as much as 17 pounds in a week on this pre-fasting diet. I had a lady in our church. She said, Pastor, I'm going to go on this 40-day fast, partial fast. And I'm just going to stay on that pre-fasting diet you've got in your book. That uh, 40 days, she lost over 70 pounds, 70 pounds. I looked at her the other day and I thought, you know, you ought to try that pre-fasting diet another time. But anyway, it would um, be a great blessing to you. I also have a prayer shawl. This is a tallit. We got these uh, in Jerusalem. This is a beautiful prayer shawl. And I only have about 14 of these that are out, out there. And one other thing I want to mention, this is a brand new Bible. This is still shrink-wrapped. Uh, there's one open. You can look at it. This is called the Spirit of Israel Bible. And um, 
there is uh, about 130 some pages in the beginning of this. And I share about uh, why we should support Israel. I share the miracles of Israel. You know, one of those great miracles was uh, about uh, uh, General Allenby. General Allenby was a devout Christian. He was a member of the Anglican Church. And he came across the Gaza. He came out of, of uh, across the Nile. And now he began to siege Jerusalem. And he didn't want to destroy the city because of all the, uh, the historical things that were there. And so uh, he wrote to, to London. He sent him a telegram, and they said, you use your own discretion. So that day, the next day, he opened his prayer book. And the prayer book that the Anglican Church wrote, that uh, you followed the dates, came to Isaiah uh, 31. And it talked about as the birds fly over uh, Jerusalem, so the deliverance will come to Mount Zion. And as he began to read all of that in the context, he began to see himself. He said, well, I am the lion. This uh, uh, Mount Zion must be delivered. And so he had a squadron, number, the number 13 squadron, and they had, it was a, a uh, they had those biplanes, and they had captured a lot of German planes. And so he had a handbill printed up. And in that handbill, it says that, uh, uh, that they were to surrender to the British and their lives would be spared. And he signed it, General Allenby. Well, the fellow that was, uh, was translating it, he was an Arab, and he didn't know how to spell Allenby in Arabic. So he wrote, he signed it, Allah. And so those planes, they flew over, and many of those Turks had never even seen a plane. They had never seen a car. They had never seen electricity, and they began to drop these handbills. And it was signed by Allah that they were to surrender to the British. Well, the next day, his cook went out to try to find some eggs for the general, and he bumped into a whole delegation coming out of, out of uh, Jerusalem, and Jerusalem surrendered to the cook. But anyway, I, I share in here all kind of uh, these miracles. I share why Jerusalem is so important. And I share with you, in, uh, and you can, you can use your own judgment, why Jerusalem was the Garden of Eden. But it's out in the foyer. We just come out with this. And if you'd like to get one of these, you, you can do it. Um, Brother Hagee is going to be using those, and you can... Uh, get them from him for $1,000, or uh, you can get those for $100 right out here, uh, but uh, it'll be a great blessing. Would you stand with me, please? How many of you brought your Bibles with you to church? Would you hold your Bible up? I made a vow to God that never a day would pass I wouldn't read the Bible, and I've kept that vow. I've read the Bible through now 88 times. I've read the book of Proverbs through over 500 times. Psalms uh, through over 300 times. And let me tell you the first thing that happens when you, when you read the Bible every day. You make more money. You make more money because you start thinking like God. God didn't get up this morning thinking, how am I going to feed all those fish? What am I going to do with all those birds? And you begin to, you begin to think like God thinks. And uh, when you begin to think like God thinks, thinks, it changes everything. Can I hear an amen? I want you to say with me out loud, this is the Word of God. This is God's plan for my life. It's a light into my pathway. It's a lamp into my feet. This is my road map. It shows me how to get to heaven. Turn right and go straight. And I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. And I can be what it says I can be in the name of Jesus. As you remain standing, would you turn with me please to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6. And I'm going to jump around a little bit here, but I want you to circle these scriptures that I, I, I read. Because these are the three duties of every believer. 
This is a requirement that God has for every person that will be a disciple of Christ. Nobody has a get-out-of-jail-free card. Nobody's exempted. No pastor can uh, say, well, I was a pastor and so I didn't have to do these three things. This is something that God requires. It is our duties. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 2, it says, Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, or when you give. Say that with me. When you give. Say it with me. When you give. And then it goes down in verse uh, 4. And it says, And the Father who seeth in secret will reward you openly. Say that with me. He will reward you openly. And then in verse 6 it says, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when you have shut the door, pray to the Father which is in secret, and the Father which seeth in secret shall reward you openly. And then in the next verse, verse 7, it says, When ye pray, use not vain repetitions. Now notice there's two types of prayers. In verse 6 there is when thou prayest. Thou is a singular pronoun. Primary prayer is when you pray by yourself. Secondary prayer is when you pray with other people. And the reason is there's certain things that you won't pray about if your wife's listening to you. There's certain things you won't pray about if anybody's listening to you. And so primary prayer is praying by yourself. Secondary prayer is praying with other people. But there's things praying with other people that will do for you that praying by yourself will not do. For instance, if you're going to take a community for God, it uh, involves corporate prayer. Many pastors, great leaders, we're going to take this city for God, but they don't have the prayer base. And there's not the prayer covering. And then trouble comes. Sickness comes. Wickedness comes. And so there has to be the prayer base. And then in verse 16, Moreover, when ye fast. Notice, now when it comes to fasting, there are two types of fasting. When ye, ye is the plural pronoun. In verse uh, 18, it says, uh, or in verse 17, But thou, when thou fastest. So there's fasting, corporate fasting, and then there's fasting by yourself. A corporate fast, you blow a trumpet in Zion, you put it in the bulletin, you go on television, you call for a public fast, you talk about it. And when Jesus put emphasis on prayer, it was praying by yourself. But when he put emphasis on fasting, it was fasting corporately. Nine out of ten fasts in the Bible are a corporate fast. And there's a reason for that. Then he goes on to say, And the Father who seeth in secret will reward you openly. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask your blessings upon the Word of God. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. And you may be seated. God bless you. Before I begin, I'd like for this uh, couple right here to stand. Would would this couple right here stand? Yes, uh, what's your your first name, sir? Carrie. Carrie, and and, uh, are you all members of this church? God gives me a great promise for you. The promise is found in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4. And it says, And I will give you the tongue of the learned, that thou would speak a word in season to them that are weary. And I will awaken you morning by morning, and I will awaken your ear to hear as the learned. The Lord says that He's got a great plan for your life, and this year is going to be a turning point for you and your family financially. And God says He's going to lead you and direct you. And He's going to open doors to you that have never been opened to you before. And it's going to be the leading of the Holy Spirit. And God says He's going to awaken you. In the wee hours of the morning, God is going to, you're going to wake up. I believe that uh, every person here that has a call to prayer has a number that God assigns you. My number is 333. When I wake up and I see 333, it's a time for me to pray. And I get up and I pray. And usually that happens two, sometimes three times a week. But the Holy Spirit 
says you've gone through some real uh, times of testing, and that is, and uh, and you've proved yourself faithful to the Lord. And now God says He's going to direct you. He's going to open some doors to you. It'll happen, begin to happen in the spring. And God will show you every move to make, everything to do. And God will confirm it with your wife. But God is going to use you because He's going to make you a big giver. You're going to be a person that will bless the work of God. And God's going to bless you because He trusts you. Isn't that a good word from the Lord? Father, I bless this couple in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Praise God. You may be seated. When you give, the Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. There's a blessing when you give. If you never pray, if you never fast, you still get blessed. Uh, I was at an auction, and a fellow was auctioning off a hotel. Uh, I I knew the fellow who owned that hotel. He was perhaps the the most wicked human being that I know of. He had uh, $6 million in that hotel, and... uh, I talked to a friend, and I said, what are you doing here? He said, well, I'm going to bid on that hotel. He said, I talked to, uh, to Stu over here, and uh, Stu's going to take a hit of a million dollars. He's going to start it off at five. I'm going to, I'm going to then bid six million, and I'm going to buy it for, uh, or he said he's going to start it off at five. I'm going to build five million, ten thousand, and buy the hotel. And so the auction started. A fellow got up and he said, uh, I bid uh, $1,600,000. And before uh, Stu could get up and make that $5,000,000 bid, bid, a guy jumped up. He said, I bid $10 million and was sold for $10 million. I, I said to this guy, I said, you know, that fellow is a wicked person. And he must have done something good to have that kind of blessing on that auction. He said, you know, he gave over a million dollars in the West End to help the poor. I said, well, there it is. It came back to him. It's not going to get him to heaven, but it still blessed him. Can I hear an amen? So there's a blessing when you give. And then it says, when thou prayest, enter into the closet, and when you shut the door, pray to the Father which seeth in secret. And the Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Now, it's a a very unusual thing. But in the Bible, when something's mentioned one time, it's of great importance. But if it's mentioned twice, it is, if you don't get anything else, I want you to get this. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, it talks about, I give you the keys to the kingdom. Whatsoever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. And then in Matthew 18, it turns around and says the same thing again. The same words. Whatsoever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. And God says, I want you to understand this and get it right, that you've got power to bind and loose. But when it comes to this, not only is the Father who sees in secret will reward you openly, Mentioned once, it's mentioned twice, and then it's mentioned three times. There is a separate blessing when you pray. You can uh, pray and not give, not fast, and still be blessed. But that blessing is a 30-fold blessing. The blessing when you give is a 30-fold blessing. So if you give and you pray, you pray and you plant a seed, then the blessing is increased. But if you want the hundredfold blessing, you have to add fasting to your disciplines. And it says, when ye fast. Now, I want to stop right here and I want to ask you a question. When do you fast? When do you fast? Most people in the American church, they'll pray, they'll give, but they never fast. Or if you ask them to fast, they'll say, well, I'm going to fast breakfast. They don't like breakfast. They don't eat breakfast. So they'll fast breakfast. Well, if it doesn't mean anything to you, how many knows it it doesn't mean anything to God? And then they say, well, I'm going to go on a Daniel's fast. Now, that's a sissy fast. Uh, Daniel was probably 85 to 90 years of age. 
He was taken into captivity probably when he was 14 to 16 years of age. He began fasting very at the very beginning. It was a partial fast. He ate no meat. And God blessed him. He was found to be ten times wiser than all the other wise men. But then, 70 years passes. Probably more like 75 years. And, and in the book of Jeremiah, it says that after 70 years, they would be returned to Jerusalem. Well, they hadn't been returned, so he goes on a fast. He goes on a 21-day fast at almost 90 years old. So if you're 90 years old, go on a Daniel's fast. But if you're, if you're not 90, stand up like a man and fast. Now, most people don't know what a Daniel's fast is anyway. And there are diets that people can go on that are more of a fast than some of the Daniel fast I've seen people go on. But fasting means in the Hebrew to close your mouth. In the Greek, it means not to eat. And so when you fast, you don't eat. Well, Brother Bob, I, I fast television. Well, that's real spiritual. But that's not fasting. That's abstinence. And there's a difference between abstinence and fasting. And so the question comes, when should you fast? When do you fast? Well, let me suggest a few times when you should fast. First of all, I take a day a week. And fasting was meant to be on a weekly basis. There's a day a week you fast. Uh, in the, the, the uh, Old Testament, the manna would fall from heaven six days a week. On the, on the Sabbath, it would not fall. But most of Israel fasted on the Sabbath day. Most of them would not eat. And even today, on Shabbat, they do not eat on uh, beginning uh, sundown on Friday. And the next time they have a meal, even water, in many cases with them, is on that evening on Saturday evening. And so when Jesus came and uh, Jesus was preaching in the book of Mark chapter 2, they came to him and says, why do the disciples of John fast and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples don't fast? And he says, well, as long as the bridegroom is with the children of the bridegroom, they don't have to fast. Well, Jesus is the bridegroom. Amen? We are the friends of the bridegroom. And so Jesus was saying, look, I'm here in the flesh. They don't need to fast. Everything that God has for them is right here in the now. But then he says the day will come when the bridegroom will be taken away. And then shall they fast in that day. <coughs> well, he was saying the day will come when I won't be here. And then if they are to receive the full blessing that God has for them, they'll need to add fasting to receive the great things that I have for them. He says they'll fast in that day. Well, that day was Friday. Jesus was crucified on Friday, and that became the official day of fasting for the church. It wasn't a Catholic thing. It wasn't something that the monks thought up. It was something that Jesus spoke. And so you take a day to fast. My day's Thursday. And if you have family that's scattered all over, if a daughter lives in California, a son's in the military in Afghanistan, on that day, your whole family comes together in a time of fasting. If they cannot eat, if they cannot fast the whole meal, the whole day, they fast until the evening meal, until 6 o'clock. And that, your family begins to stand together wherever they may be. Whatever your fast day is, you fast every week on that day. If it's a Monday, it's every Monday. If it's a Wednesday, it's every Wednesday. Someone says, well, what about if Christmas came on uh, that fast day? Well, don't be an idiot. Take another day to fast on that week. Amen? But you have a time to fast. When do you fast? You fast when there is a death in your family 
of someone who has died under a curse. For instance, cancer is a terrible generational curse. When a member of your family has died of cancer, of diabetes, they have lived a wicked life, the Bible says that those demons, they go now into the next generation. And they can penetrate a family for up to 200 years, up to four generations. Because of the sins of a great-grandfather, the immorality, the evil, the wickedness, it can bring generational curses of poverty. It can bring generational curses of sicknesses and weakness in, in the, bo- the, the body. In the Bible, in the last chapter of 1 Samuel, there's a story about King Saul. Saul was a wicked man. And finally, uh, the nation of Israel began to go down, down, down under the administration of Saul. The Philistines now come and they, they invade the country. Saul uh, commits suicide. His sons are killed. And so the Philistines take their bodies and they put them on the walls of their city. But the Bible says that the valiant men of Jabesh-Gilead arose and they went by cover of night and they took the bodies down from the Philistine walls. They brought them back to their city. They buried them under an oak tree. And the last words of 1 Samuel is, and they fasted seven days. Say that with me. They fasted seven days. Now, at first you look at that and you think, well, they were in mourning. But really, it wasn't that. They were fasting that God would break that curse. That God would heal their land. And in the next chapter, it begins Second Samuel chapter 1. It talks about how God raised up David. And the nation of Israel began to rise and rise and rise and rise. And so, when do you fast? You fast to break a curse off of your family. The Bible says in Isaiah 58, which is the chapter that talks about when you give, when you pray, when you fast, and it lists 20 promises These are the 20 greatest promises in all of the Bible. And it says, you shall raise up the foundation of a new generation. Or in other words, the curse, the curse of poverty, the curse of of adultery, the curse of, of immorality, the curse of divorce suddenly is broken. And your generation come up under a blessing. My... My grandfather was a state marshal in Oklahoma. My great-grandmother, they named the town after her, Idabel, Oklahoma. And uh, my grandfather was killed in a gun battle. They shot him in the back. He wouldn't take a bribe, and it uh, it really brought uh, a great uh, trouble in in our family. There were seven kids. Uh, those Now those kids didn't have a dad. They lost the farm because they couldn't pay a $15 tax bill. And so my grandmother moved from Idabel. She moved to Wichita, Kansas. She had uh, two sisters that lived there. And where she had people that had worked for her, she now has to cook at the hospital, and she had to job out her kids. My dad and one of his brothers moved over with uh, one of their aunts. They lived over there, Uncle Bud. Uncle Bud was a drinker. Uncle Bud was a gambler. They were exposed to all of that. And so they got into all kind of trouble. They got into trouble with the law. They got into situations of, of poverty. And in our family, there was uh, two weaknesses. One was a weakness of alcohol, and the other was a weakness of women. None of the brothers could be faithful to their wives. But my dad got saved. 
My dad really got born again. And when he got born again, he broke that curse. He broke that curse off of our family. And those that embraced the Lord, they seemed to either be preachers or go to jail. And uh, so God will use you to break the curse. And that curse is broken through fasting. Can I hear an amen? When do you fast? You fast when you really need a big miracle. How many need a big miracle in your life? Hold your hand up if you need a big one. Well, let me share this. It's very interesting when you study the Bible. The big miracles, every, say every, every. say all, all, every and all the big miracles involved giving, praying, and fasting. Not just prayer, but giving, praying, and fasting. In the Old Testament, one of the great miracles is the miracle where uh, God sent Elijah to the widow woman in Zarephath. And uh, it, uh, was a, it had not rained. It was a curse for three and a half years, no rain. The brook dries up. The ravens stop bringing the food. And so God speaks to him and he says, I have a widow woman in Zarephath that will provide for you there. Well, this brings up the first discipline this lady was praying. How would he have known that he's supposed to go to Zarephath if she's not crying out to God? Secondly, it involves fasting. The Bible says that when he came to Zarephath, there she was uh, going to build a fire. She was going to make the last little pancake and uh, with just a, a handful of grain and just a little bit of oil. And she and her son were going to die. Well, how long had she fasted? She said, now, son, now, we're running out of food. We're going to have to, we're going to, have to just go down to one meal a day. Son, we're, we're going to have to skip every other day. We're not going to eat today. We'll eat tomorrow. But it came to the place her little boy was so weak that he couldn't hardly walk. And she says, all right, we're going we're gonna to eat today, but this is it. And we're going to die. That was a forced fast. But throughout the Bible, there are many forced fasts. Thou shalt remember these 40 years I led thee through the wilderness to humble thee, to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou would serve me or not. I humbled thee. But I suffered thee to hunger, but I fed thee with manna that thou knowest not of, so thou would know that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. He suffered them to hunger. It wasn't a voluntary fast. It was a forced fast. And so she was fasting. And then the man of God says, well, give me some of that cake first. And she was obedient. So she gave, she prayed, and she fasted. What happened was God did the miracle. And for the next three years, the oil never went dry. The grain was still there. When you begin to think about that just for a moment, there are three people. And uh, if you've got a, a boy like my boy, uh, he doesn't eat three meals a day. He just eats continually all day long. But you're talking about 5,000 meals. You're talking about a multiplication rate of that little bit of oil that would change into 137 gallons. You're talking about enough grain to feed 5,000 meals would be over 2,000 pounds of grain. It's a multiplication rate of 19,000 times. And so when a person gives and they pray and they fast... God begins to bless them, not a hundred times, but a hundredfold blessing begins to fall upon their lives. I was, uh, I was uh, fasting for 40 days. And during that time, God spoke to me. He said, I, I don't want you to stop your fast at 40 days. I want you to fast till Easter. I counted it up. It was a hundred days. And I said, and I'll die too. That's what will happen. And the Lord said no, and God showed me how to do it. I, the first 40 days, I ate nothing. Then I ate one meal a day. 
And at the end of that 40 days, God spoke to me to go to uh, and see the prime minister of the Palestinian government. Never in the history of the Holy Land has there ever been a broadcast Christian television station. Uh, Paul Crouch, he gave over a half a million to Arafat. Arafat pocketed the money and never would give him a permit. Pat Robertson, they tried and tried. They put a station in uh, Christian Lebanon, and Arafat blew it up. He lost everything. Uh, Daystar and Trinity now have a a uh, studio in Jerusalem that, uh, and out of that comes their cable and their satellite network. But there's never been a broadcast station that actually broadcasts the gospel. And I talked to the prime minister, and at first he was very reluctant. As I shared with him, I said, if you will help us to, to get this, I said, I will help you build a drug and alcohol recovery program. Uh, almost half of the young people between 15 and 30 are on heroin. The Russian mafia has absolutely gone and penetrated the Palestinians, and they have a new drug called crocodile. You take it one time, and it's a death penalty. On about the fourth time, you have brain damage. And eventually, your skin begins to peel off of your body. It's the most sickening drug that's ever been introduced to mankind. And so he gave us permission, and we were able to buy an existing television station in Bethlehem. It had been off the air, and we went on the air on Christmas Day. And that station now has become the number one station out of 34 stations in Palestine. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. But those are big miracles, and those big miracles only come through fasting and prayer. They don't come any other way but fasting and prayer. I want to pray for you today, and I want to ask God to release a great anointing on your life to fast. How many say, Pastor, I want to commit between now and Easter to fast one day a week. I want to I pledge to be a tither. I pledge to take a time to pray and a day to fast during this week. If you do, would you stand up? Because I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you today. Whatever day that is, if it's a Monday, then every Monday you fast. If you can't fast the entire day, fast at least until 6 o'clock, until the evening meal. If you're on medication, well, take a little piece of bread, eat the bread, and take your pill and fast. But I want you to come down here. You that are standing, I want to pray for you. Would you come and stand right down here in the front? Just come and stand right here. God gives me a great promise for you. And that promise is from the book of Matthew, chapter 17, verse 20. It says, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, be removed to yonder place, it shall be removed, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Would you say that with me? And nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind cometh not but by prayer and fasting. Hallelujah to Jesus. I, I began fasting because I had to fast. I was pastoring a little church, and they didn't have enough money to pay me. Finally, we started taking a second offering. That was my love offering. Pastor, my first love offering was $5. I told my dad, he said, well, son, poor preach means poor pay. But uh, the reason I started fasting is because I didn't have enough money to buy any food. So I started visiting people about dinner time. That worked pretty good. Uh, some of them cooked better than others, but one day I visited these two old ladies. And they said, "Oh, brother Bob, just come on in and join us for dinner. We we just uh, we're just got our food from Meals on Wheels. They just brought it over. I want you to eat it." And I, I said, "Well, I wouldn't eat your food. I didn't know you got your food from Meals on Wheels." 
Oh, Brother Bob, go ahead. We didn't like it as Mexican food. Said uh, we gave it to the cat. The cat threw it up. So please uh, help yourself. That's how I started fasting. And I fasted in the last 30 years anywhere from 50 to 150 days a year. And I'm here to tell you that there will be nothing impossible in your life. I remember when we got married, my wife and I didn't have anything. We'd drive down the road. Somebody threw away a couch. I stopped and got that couch and brought it home, and it was, a, it was vinyl. I put black duct tape on it, and that was our couch. One day we came by a house. It was a mansion. And I pulled in the driveway of that mansion, and I got out, and I said, Margaret, you know, if we're faithful to God, maybe one day when we get to heaven, God, give us a place like that. We prayed. The day came, I bought that house. I lived in that house. My wife never did like that house. I had to go build another one. But I'm here to tell you, nothing will be impossible unto you. God spoke to me and He said, I'm going to give you a network of television stations and radio stations to preach the gospel on. I didn't own a TV set. I went and filed for a television station. I only had $63. You can't even buy a light bulb with that. I went and bought me a TV. I went to Walmart. And I paid $63 for a black and white set. And on my way home, the antenna broke off and I had to use a coat hanger to get a picture. That was eight television stations ago. You don't know what you can do till you start praying. You start planting seeds. You start fasting. God begins to open the doors. God looses things. You say, Brother Bob, pray for my son. I've done everything I can do to see he gets saved. Have you fasted? Well, then you haven't done everything. God knows how to turn things around. How many of you need a miracle in your home? Can I see your hand? Hold your hand up. How many need a financial miracle? Fasting brings the money in. There's a breakthrough at 21 days that brings great financial blessings. I want to pray for you right now. Place your hand right here on your chest. And I want everyone to pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, you have a great plan for my life. And I ask that you take out of me what the devil's put in my life. And put back in me what the devil's taken out of me. Devil, you're a liar. You have no rights over my life. I'll never serve you. I don't belong to you. I belong to God. But Lord, I ask for a supernatural anointing to come on my life. And between now and Easter, I ask for the greatest miracles I've ever experienced to happen. May all my family get saved. May all my kids come to God. Secondly, I ask that you would heal my body of everything. From my head to my feet, I would be totally well in Jesus' name. Thirdly, Lord, I ask that every decision I make would be the right decision. It would be the mind of Christ. They would be prosperous decisions. The right decisions. And the fourth thing, Lord, I ask is you send somebody in my life that could help prosper me and bless me in the name of Jesus. Father, honor this prayer for the glory of God in Jesus' name. I want you all to look up here just a moment. I want you to write down your ten greatest needs. And I want you to do it before you leave here today. Write them down and put them in your Bible. And put the day's date on it. Then, I want you to take an hour that belongs to God. You've got a time, excuse me, you've got a time to get up. You've got a time to go to bed. You've got a time to watch television. You've got a time to eat. It's 12 o'clock. It has nothing to do about being hungry. It's 12 o'clock. We eat. But you don't have a time to pray. There needs to be a time that belongs to God. 
That's God's time. And I'm asking you to take a time between now and Easter. How many would take from 4 to 5 in the morning? That would be your time. Anybody 4 to 5? 5 to 6? 6 to 7? 7 to 8? 8 until 9? Everybody votes. 9 to 10? 10 till 11? 11 till noon? 12 to 1? 1 to 2? 2 to 3 o'clock? 3 to 4? 4 to 5? 5 to 6? Has everybody voted? 6 to 7? 7 to 8 at night? 8 to 9? 9 to 10? 10 until 11? 11 to midnight? 12 to 1? 1 until 2? 2 until 3? 3 until 4? How many in addition will give God permission to wake you up at least one night a week to pray? Can I see your hand? Secondly, I'm going to ask you to take a day to fast. This is God's day. This is a day that you try to recruit your family. They can even be sinners and say, well, I want you to fast anyway. They'll end up getting saved by Easter. If they can't fast till all day, fast till at least the evening meal. You'll take Mondays be your fast day. Tuesdays. Wednesdays. Thursdays, Friday, Saturday, Sundays. <coughs> the coach down at Texas Tech is uh, used to be the uh, coach at the University of Kentucky. Uh, what's his name? No, no, no. At, uh, basketball. Uh, he went up to Minnesota. What was his name? Y'all, y'all, y'all not basketball people here. You're off of uh, Tubby Smith. And so Saul came over to our church, and he came down and was praying. And I prayed with him the sinner's prayer, and I said, Saul, how did you, you all come to Christ? He says, well, when Mama got saved, we all got saved. Well, I want to tell you about fasting. When Mama fasts, everybody fasts. Daddy told me, he said, Bob, don't ever marry a skinny woman. He says, you'll go to bed hungry. But uh, nobody's laughing here, but uh, oh, it's kind of funny. But Mama, if you'll fast, your family will fast. Amen. Well, I'm glad you came to church today. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a great big praise clap. Pastor, God bless you. God bless you. Have a great day.